Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is going on? Really not much. Uh, I wish there was, you know, my my life the past couple podcasts has been ex- as exciting as the Bengals uh, currently right now. There's nothing really going on. April's a boring month. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Wow, that's rude. Is Nothing's rude? going on right now. My birthday's Sunday. <laughs> what a boring month. Happy Eastern birthday. It never happened before. That's the big thing that I keep thinking about. I'm like, why does Easter change? How are we, you know, so certain on when Christmas is, but then Easter, we're like, yeah, sometime March to April. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always kind of put Easter's on the calendar. When we have Easter, I know the NFL draft is right around the corner. And that's where we're at. Three weeks from tonight, we are going to talk about the 28th pick. And I'm really, really excited about it. We'll have a couple more guests in the month of April. But I want to go to the running room the running back room a little Zach Taylor this offense you know what what we've seen from Zach Taylor over the last couple years and some of the conversations I hear is Zach Taylor doesn't like to run the ball of course when you have weapons like Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd you know even Joe Mixon is uh, I, I like watching him catch some passes out there but what do you think about that when you hear that with Zach Taylor in this offense I mean does he really does he really not like to run the ball he has a star quarterback. None of these guys like to run the ball. Mahomes, the Chiefs, the Bills with Allen, unless they're part of the run game like Hertz and Lamar, like those they run the ball, of course, because some of the biggest value they get is from their quarterbacks running the ball. But when you think of like the guys who throw the ball at an elite level, most of them don't really run the ball like a ton. The guys who are running the ball are Jimmy G and the 49ers. It's it's a lot of the guys a little lower down on the totem pole. And he does run the ball 40%, what, 40% of the time or so running the ball. And they're very efficient. The main issue that they have had with running the ball has been no explosive plays. They can churn out five yard gains all the time. What they're missing is just making that guy miss, making a couple guys miss, and going boom. 30, 40, 50 yards, 20 yards, 15 yards. The They were, I think, I'll just say one of the worst at creating explosive plays in the run game. And yet, after week five, when they changed the scheme to be more uh, power, gap, shotgun, everything shotgun, they were the third most efficient running attack. 
it usually doesn't add up. Usually, you know, you're getting an efficient running attack because two yards here, two yards here, boom, there he goes for 40, something like that. Think of like Adrian Peterson. But the Bengals, it's funny that we have all these concerns about their run game from last year. Like that run game wasn't good enough. By most statistics, it was in the top five most efficient run games in the league. So when you hear, hey, Zach Taylor's a quarterback, he's a former quarterback. He was a former quarterback coach. Of course, you have Joe Burrow and you you, you want to throw the ball up. You really don't believe that theory that, hey, Zach Taylor's like, mm, nah, let's let's uh, avoid running the ball. Let's just throw to our wide receivers. Because me personally, you look at some of their games last year, you would have loved if they could just balance out the offense a little bit and uh, give Joe Burrow a break if he, they could run the ball a couple of times. And it just, it really wasn't working for them. I'm not putting that all on Joe Mixon or anything like that, but I don't believe that either. I, I think that Zach Taylor, if, if they can balance out this offense, and that's going to be the biggest thing going into the 2023 season. We still don't know what, the running back room is going to look like if they get a rookie out there, if they get another guy who they pick up after the NFL draft from another team, if he gets released. Um, I, I just, I think it just depends on the production that you're seeing. And I really don't blame him. If it's not out there on the ground, then, then yeah, you're Joe's going to pass the ball more. Yeah. The Zach Taylor was a quarterback. A lot of coaches were Doug Peterson was a quarterback. Uh, think of John, Har- well, John Harbaugh wasn't, but Jim Harbaugh was a quarterback and he ran the ball. Think of Colin Kaepernick. You you know your personnel. KYP is just, you know your personnel. We are better at throwing the ball. That is why the Bengals draft Joe Burrow. They draft Jamar Chase. They draft T. Higgins. They re-sign Tyler Boyd. They're looking for receiving tight ends. All of this is leaning. What is really important is that we scare the pants off of people when we drop back to pass. And then running the ball is the secondary part of that. They want to be physical. They want to be, they're big up front. They want big physical up front and be able to run the ball, but it's just their personnel is why they're doing this. I mean, Andy Reid was a former offensive lineman. What's the stereotype with those guys? Run the ball, run power, run all these other things. He throws the ball more than anybody. I think, I think that that conversation is a little out there for me. And what Sean McDermott, he was, uh, he was a defensive guy. Defensive guys, run the ball, control the clock. Think Mike Zimmer when he was in Minnesota. He throws the ball too. He throws the ball a ton with the Bills. So many so – I don't see that as a whole thing. I think it's just good coaching. What are the Bengals best at? If you just looked at their roster, what would you do? I would throw the ball. I would not take it out of Joe Burrow's hand. Yeah, right? I'm letting him draft back as much as he can. Uh, running the ball is obviously important, and I think it's super important. It's still 40% of your plays. It's just – when you're thinking of that breakdown, yeah, Joe Burrow should throw the ball 60% of the time. Uh, that's that's my whole thoughts on this matter. I, I think the running the ball is important. I think they can get more explosive. They were efficient. I think the offense is good. And they have, they've already got upgrades up front. I think this is going to be a better offensive unit than last year. It is on paper. So let's see how it goes. A lot of that a little bit depending on the right tackle. But we'll see. And... I keep thinking the betting favorite for pick 28 is more help on that side of the ball. So I'm going to stick with that before we get to what the ideal running back would really look like for this offense going into 2023 and, and Joe Burrow's next season here. When you think of the offensive line pieces right now in Orlando Brown, and we've talked plenty about Orlando Brown when he was signed here, how do you feel like he's going to help with the run game? He moves guys. A lot of offensive line play at the NFL level 
is trying to get advantageous stalemates. It's getting in a good position, but you're not really moving that guy. You're sealing him off. You're creating a lane. But what Orlando Brown can do is because he's so big and strong in length and power is that he can actually move guys. He could actually one-on-one just take a guy and ride him four yards and create a run lane where there shouldn't be one. So that's what really is going to help. And with all this vertical movement in the run game, they want to push guys vertically. That's a lot of help. And it's going to help out the left guard, Cordell Volson, too. Jonah, for all, he has good traits. He's not overly powerful. I know it's it's almost weird to say that in this world of Twitter that Jonah has good traits. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, all of his good traits. He doesn't have a ton of power. That's always been his issue. Not a lot of power to move guys and not a lot of strength to take on bull rushes. So he wasn't really killing guys on the left side of there like Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa were able to do on the right side. Orlando Brown going to be able to do that. So that's going to help out Cordell Volson when they run double teams or in combo blocks. Leonard Brown's going to knock the socks off that guy. And it's just, it's going to help everything on that side. The right side is still a big question, but I think the run game improves because you got a guy that is now a true butt kicker at left tackle. I always think back, it's just, it's always stuck with me because when you watch, this is what you see is guys just fighting for position. We want to define the read for the running back as a lot of uh, coach is a lot of coach offensive line coaches saying, and that means turn, seal, show him where to go. And we're not killing guys and moving them 15 yards. But they have a guy that can do that type of stuff now. So that is the big change there. Yeah, I think that's something to feel optimistic about when you think about this offensive line, obviously protecting Joe Burrow, but the run game too. And you look at the running back room, it's obviously been a very hot topic of discussion right now. Some people wonder, well, if you know the Bengals – are moving on from Jim Mixon when and they cut them yet? Are they going to wait till after the draft? What's going to happen? But what would be the ideal running back for this offense next year? It would be a guy that can excel in all three phases of being a running back, right? Running the ball, of course. You want it more explosion, too, from what they've had. And I think Joe Mixon can give you more explosion next year. I have been saying pretty much all year and last mm-hmm. year, Joe Mixon was playing a lot of that season hurt. Uh, it, to me, I think you could read the tea leaves there. His ankle was hurt weeks one through four, and then he battled injuries the rest of the time too. He was in and out. Samaje Piran was the main guy. And Samaje Piran just doesn't really have the juice as for everything he does well. So you want a guy that can run the ball well and create explosive plays that way. And to do that, I mean, make the safety miss. It's just something they didn't do. When when you have six-man blocking services like the Bengals like to run because they're, they're spread out. Tyler Boyd's out there in the slot. He's not tight you know, trying to dig a guy out on the slot. Like the Rams will have Cooper Cup block defensive ends sometimes, and it works because he's a freak. Uh, Tyler Boyd, a freak in his own right, but more at receiving the ball. <laughs> so you kick him out a little bit, and he can block. I'm not saying he can't block, but they like to be spread out. The same with Burrow. He loves being spread out. So you have six guys up front to block. That typically will get your four down linemen or five, depending on whatever front they're in. But your four down linemen and your two linebackers blocked, right? You might get some double teams in there. We're not going to get into the scheme. Just you're going to get those six guys blocked. There's a safety on the play side that's going to be open pretty much every time. You could crack down and get them, but they like to be very narrow with their run game right now in the shotgun. They like to go straight ahead. Like I said, vertical movement. So you're running right at that safety. So many plays last year where you're one-on-one with the safety. If you make him miss, you get 30 yards if you get caught from behind, maybe even longer. 
and instead they get tackled for eight yards, nine yards. Maybe they plow into them and really deliver some punishment and push forward. And I love that. Ten yards. It, 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 they're just not hitting the 15-yard explosive plays, the 20-yard explosive plays. Uh, maybe you consider 10-yard gain an explosive play. I don't really. I think it starts at 15 for a run game and 20 for pass. Uh, so that that's, I think, what's what's missing in the run department. Man, that's the long-winded way to say they need that in the run game. But then you look at the pass game. They have to receive because this offense, as we just talked about, throws the ball a lot. 60% of the time, they're going to throw the ball. So you need a running back that can receive. You also need a running back that can block a little bit as a pass protector. This is ideally. Usually you can't find all three of these things, and that's why B. John Robinson is such an awesome pick because he can do all three. Uh, but he won't be there, so it's not really worth discussing too much. But, yeah, you want a guy that can pass protect, he can receive, and he can run the ball. And on that rece- on receiving, you want a guy that can catch a check down, make a guy miss, and get an explosive play. Another thing they were missing because they're playing so far back to defending against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all these deep threats is that you're going to get that ball in space with a, one guy to beat, and you can gain 15 yards. You can gain 20 yards if you beat that guy, and they just weren't really doing it. So they need a guy with a little bit more juice, and that could be Joe Mixon. But Joe Mixon's issue has always been pass protection, and it's not the physical part. It's just the mental part of the pass protection. He gets himself in the right spot, and, yes, he loses sometimes. Everybody loses in pass protection. I mean, they're running backs. But he typically gets himself in the right spot, and he's physical and tries to deliver hits. But it's just the mental side of that. He doesn't always find the right guy. He picks up the wrong guy. He lets Burrow get hit for on a free rush. And I don't know if that improves. It's really hard to say if that improves because we are so far into Joe Mixon's career and it hasn't. So that's that's the whole ideal running back might not be Joe Mixon right now, despite maybe he's a little bit more explosive next year when he's fresh. Maybe he's a good receiver. He's a heck of a receiver. So he fits two of these areas. And that might be all you can get. And that's why I'm fine with bringing Joe Mixon as your running back next year and you know maybe go day three guy for the other spot. Or maybe it's just Mixon Zeke, and I'm okay with that. You're going to miss out on some explosion maybe, but I I am a believer that Joe Mixon can give you more explosion than he did last year. I know he's older. I just – I really think the injury caused a lot of it. There were – you know, when when the reports were happening out of Los Angeles for the Chargers, the Austin Eckler stuff and and him wanting to be in the trade conversation, and I would tell Bengals fans, I'm like, he wants to get paid. There there are people complaining already that Joe Mixon is making way too much money going into the season. That's not going to work. The Bengals, they're not going to go give him a multi-year contract for him to be traded here. His reason for being traded was, I'm worth more than what they're paying me. (laughs) It wasn't, I hate Justin Herbert. I love Joe Burrow. (laughs) Which is maybe what Twitter was thinking, because that's all they talk about with the Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers, Bengals rivalry that the players don't know about. Yeah, I mean, there's just the running back, like you said, if someone told me it's going to be Joe Mixon, Zeke, okay, all right. I would feel comfortable if they still had a rookie running back. And I'm not saying it has to be a running back at 28. If it's in the second or third round, you do have to think about the future because the chances of Joe Mixon and Zeke being there the following year, probably zero. And I would like to have another rookie running back that that's a part of this offense. And it wouldn't be such a growing pain going from um, a different running a running back going into the 2024 season. So, you know, there's there's some questions that they have to answer. And I, I we've said it plenty of times. I'm totally fine if Joe Mixon is your RB1 and you have a rookie out there, too. Uh, we just don't know what that's going to look like. And I think that's a huge reason why things have really just stayed the same with Joe Mixon. 
um, because they don't know. The, the Bengals front office doesn't know at the moment. And, um, yeah, I'm okay with it. But I, I think that's just a really good breakdown of, you know, what you really need to see with this offense and kind of balancing out the offense. And, no, Zach Taylor, he, he will run the ball if he can. I mean, there's – that that whole that whole thing was uh, a little silly to me, and I think that if you can just get a balanced offense, it's going to help your offensive line. It's going to help Joe Burrow, and it's going to help everybody um, on both sides of the ball. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Mailbag questions are next. I really appreciate everybody following along. Make sure you're following on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can get me at LNDS Patterson. We'll get to those next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We are going to do a little doubleheader mailbag during the offseason on Thursdays, and we're going to go ahead and get to Jacob. Jacob, you know, what a transition, because we've already talked about Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, but he says, do you prefer Gibbs or Robinson at their current projected interest? in the draft so gibbs um i think i have his consensus big board rank over here robinson well his big board ranks eight and gibbs is 29 um i think robinson is not going to go eight and it's the value of a running back let's just kick them both down 15 spots or so i don't know just a rough movement i think gibbs has been a mid second round early second round type and Robinson has been a mid first late first type Robinson. I think Robinson's a full tier above Gibbs. I, I think with Gibbs, yes, the explosive plays are so exciting. The main, I think it's a projection for the Bengals. I think he's awesome, but I do think there's a little bit of a projection with the Bengals. Yes. He's an awesome receiver, but he doesn't pass block well right now. So we just dealt with that. Joe Mixon's an awesome receiver and he doesn't pass block. Well, who was on the field for two minute drill? It's yeah. not mixing. So is that going to be Gibbs? Are you going to be yelling at the TV? Why is Zeke on the field right now? We need Gibbs. We need the explosion. But that's just not – maybe you think that's what they should do. That's not how they operate. Uh, and then I also think he's better – if you can get perimeter runs and get him in space, and like we talked about in the first segment, they like to keep it condensed, vertical, pushing inside right now. They like to go straight ahead with their runs, and I just don't think that fits Gibbs to a T in terms of his strengths. With Robinson, yes, he fits all of that. And he's a good pass protector. I was shocked. Those five-star recruits are almost never good pass protectors. Uh, Texas, Stan Drayton, I think, is the running back coach. What a job. He has the two best pass protectors in the draft. <laughs> It's Roshan Johnson one, and I think Bijan Robinson two. That it's the highlight tape, and all yeah. you have to do is is uh, put on Twitter search Bijan Robinson pass protection, and you will see all these highlights. And it just just because we know what it's like when it's not good, and you can see him out there making plays, and I'm like, oh man, if he's there, at oh, it's so exciting. I mean, look, I'm I'm. I'm fully in on if it. Ha I'm not going to give him a great grade for the first for a 28 overall Bijan Robinson pick. 40 overall, yes, I think that's about the spot I would take him. Is like 40 overall, like the top 40 player for sure. And I'm not going to be particular about 38. If they get him after that, awesome. If he could fall to 60, a plus pick. It's just 28. Man, that's not a. That's not great to me. I got so much backlash early in draft season for saying I would take Bijan at 28. 
And now people keep bringing up Gibbs at 28. To me, Bijan, so much better, like a complete player. And I, I don't see that with Gibbs. So that is Bijan Gibbs talk. I, I made that tweet today, and I think everybody took it as Bijan. Bijan's not going to be there at 28. And I basically said, I'm only taking a running back at 28 if he can run, pass block, and catch. And that's just uh, Bijan Robinson. And Gibbs needs some work in, in Definitely pass protection, but also I think for the Bengals' run scheme is a little bit of a projection. And people just kept replying about Bijan. And I don't know, maybe I didn't word it as well as I should have for, to get my point across. What's crazy about it is, you know, I'm, we're being totally realistic because you see a lot of the mocks out there and the projections. Bijan could be top 10, top 15. He could be top 20. Uh, not a lot of people haven't fallen all the way to the end of the first round, so I, I don't see that happening. And then when there is the comparison that, yeah, even if Bijan's there, Gibbs is definitely oh, the better. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm like, how? What? I was like, I need, I need, I need Mike to talk about it on the podcast no. everybody <laughs> and tell him. And it's, tell it's him. really – and really, it's Gibbs is better straight line speed, and I think he's a little more. Uh, he's got more lateral agility too, but Bijan's just such a better player. Like you could try to build the case, but I gave grades to every running back, and I mean Bijan got an eighty-six from me, and Gibbs got a seventy-eight, and that equates to a top ten pick for Bijan and Gibbs a early second rounder even not just me because maybe you think i'm just a gibbs hater joe goodberry gave Bijan robinson an 87 which is higher than me and an 81 for gibbs i think he's just higher grading his running backs which is weird because i feel like sometimes i'm the running back is okay to take guy but 87 top 10 pick 81 late first round that's that's a tier break that's a that's a full tier difference i feel like Bijan's gonna go to the eagles or the cowboys oh man it Could you imagine feels- being Tony Pollard and you finally get your shot and they draft B. John Robinson? That he's a he played a Texas. I mean, I, I just I feel like it just it's the connection. It's it's big name. It's uh, you know going to the Cowboys. I don't know. I just and it it feels like it. Both those would be super exciting. I keep thinking it's going to be something that that everybody just kind of groans like it makes sense, but everybody kind of groans like oh in that offense. I think of. That's so why I went to the Bucks at 19. I mean, that is they, disappointing. They need a running back, and that'll just be like, oh, Bijan to the Bucks. Maybe he'll make their offense exciting, but isn't Baker Mayfield? <laughs> Baker Mayfield's their starting quarterback right now. Oh, that's so sad. That's I don't want that for Bijan. I don't. I don't want that for him. I, I, I don't want that. I want him to Chargers. Could him go to the Chargers? That's fun. <laughs> no, go go to the go to the Bucks. Go, go. NFC is that the, is that the thing? <laughs> Stay on the NFC side, but for some reason, because I love the Eagles offense, I think it would just be so fun. I just think the the Eagles are so invested in running back by committee. I think their GM fully believes that, and he could prove everybody wrong. It just takes one pick. Maybe he thinks Bijan is a transcendent talent. Some people are even higher on him than me and Joe Goodberry and everybody else out there and think he's the best player in the class. Oh, Uh, I've heard that. Yeah. I still think on tape Jalen Carter was, but we got some other questions about that. Yeah, (laughs) but... uh, and, and, yeah. and I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna get to more, and I'm gonna ask one more Gibbs question because Jamal says yeah. this. We're gonna bounce off because we're already talking about him. He says, "Is it is it fair to argue that Gibbs would make the Bengals offense more dynamic than any other player in this draft outside of Bijan?" Ooh, I 
Man. Year one, I think so. I, th I think that's a fair take. Based off guys, I think will be there. Like, I don't think Darnell Wright falls there. Could he do it? Like, I think Darnell Wright would possibly, probably make your offense better this year than uh, Jameer Gibbs would. But running backs have such a, like, it, if they're good, they hit right away. They just hit so fast. Tight end, even though I think Michael Mayer is going to be good right away, does he add that much this year? Because even if he's good right away, he's probably going to be better in three years. Gibbs, a lot of these running backs, he's just hit the ground running. Look at Brees Hall. Look at Kenneth Walker from just this past draft. Damian Pierce. They all just, boom, hit the ground running. They're good running backs. And you look at the tight ends, and Chiga Conquo eventually became a good tight end. Greg Dulcich was a good receiver at moments. And the number one tight end, Trey McBride, wasn't even really on the field. He was on the bench for Zach Ertz. <laughs> so uh, the, it's so tough with uh, with that. If you, I don't think wide receiver could do it either. If I'm just thinking of guys, I can't. I can't think of anybody who'd fall there. And even then, how much playing time do they get? So you think of the most important. I think it's either running back or right tackle that's going to make this offense as explosive as it can get because of the tight end waiting time. Yeah, I, and I think Gibbs is the second best running back in the class. I, I've said all this, and I, I still think second best because of everything that he can give you. I comped him to uh, everybody keeps trying to do Alvin Kamara, but I don't think he has the balance. Alvin Kamara's got insane balance. Like I think he could get pushed by a lawnmower or something and be on one leg when that happens and still remain upright or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I comped him to CJ Spiller. And CJ Spiller was super exciting. He had a really good season with Buffalo before where he was an awesome receiver. He was an awesome running back. And you get him in space and he's gone. You get him in space, that's how he works. And that's what I think with Gibbs is that you get him in space. He's an awesome receiver. Profit. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if the Bengals is a clean transition. But, yes, I would say that is going to make the offense as dynamic as it can get with a draft pick in year one. See, positives. If they take Gibbs at 28, I mean, I'd be really pumped at 60, but if they take him at 28, could still be exciting for the offense. Yeah, it's not an F. I mean, yeah, it's to me, it's probably like a D, C minus. Maybe nice D plus. D plus. And then, well, if you go D plus, just go C minus because it sounds better. <laughs> it's the same well, grade. Someone told me I was seeing my test back and it was going to have a C minus versus D plus one. Yeah, Even so if it's like a one point difference. Yeah. yeah. It feels so much better with the C minus. About the number. We can just say the grade. That's totally <laughs> fine. Um, we'll go to Willie Lutz. He says, Who would, who's been the hardest player for you to evaluate in the 2023 class? Oh, man. I have a few. If we want to stick to. Um, so I'm trying to think again. I think Emmanuel Forbes is a hard evaluation because he's so thin. He's so thin. And I don't think he's very good technically, but man, you can't teach ball skills. And he's got that in spades. He's young and he's athletic. So I think he's a hard evaluation and I'm lower on him than I think a lot of people, but I could easily be wrong. Like I see that every time and I just go, I could be way wrong on this. Like this could just blow up in my face. Um, other harder evaluations, Dewan Jones is obviously a, a little bit of a hard evaluation because he didn't test or anything. So you don't feel good about that. Um, Luke Musgrave was a super hard evaluation because he only played two games this year. So a lot of those guys that didn't play much, it's like, well, I hope they're good. I hope they've gotten better from the year before. I, I don't know. 
Lamar uh, Chase didn't play in 2020. Every yeah, in 2020. Yeah. So you know he turned out. <laughs> I nailed Jamar Chase. I said elite, elite prospect. <laughs> um, yeah. Those are those are some of the tougher evaluations. Roshan Johnson's not really an easy evaluate. Like I think it's easy because I just see Samaj AP Ryan in him, but he was also their second running back. And maybe he gets more time, maybe he gets more carries, and I see something a little bit better. He was playing fullback a lot of that time. That, that's not an easy evaluation. Tucker Kraft missed a lot of time. He was a hard evaluation. So those are, man, just ran through quite a few guys, but those are some guys. I think some of the defensive ends, the edge rushers, they could be a tough evaluation just because of the way college is played. Um, Will McDonald. I just ran through some of these guys. Will McDonald, he's always so tight to the tackle, but he's like 230 pounds. Just let that guy go wide and run, but that's not what Iowa State wants to do, and it completely makes sense. Uh, uh, yeah. Quite a few of those edge rushers just play so tight to the tackle, and it's hard to really get a feel for are they do they have a good get off? Can they really threaten speed from like a wide nine alignment? I don't know. You mentioned first Emmanuel Forbes, and we talked about him last week on the podcast because it felt like he was getting mocked to the Bengals a lot. He is actually going for his second visit or at least interview mm -hmm. with the Cincinnati Bengals. And it feels like he's all over the place because some people have him going in the first round and then some have him dropping to the second round. What do you think about these top 30 visits for teams? I think fans see, oh, this player's coming here and this one's coming here. I think Bengals could be talking to a lot of these players that maybe they don't even draft or they fall as um, undrafted free agents that they pick up later. Obviously not Forbes, but where do you kind of see him falling right now? And do you still think that that would be a hit? at 28 for the Bengals. Yeah, so I saw a good breakdown. I don't remember who it was from, but they said basically 15 of your top 30 visits, just a rough outline, this isn't exact, but about 15 are gonna be guys you're interested in. And then, excuse me, 10 more are going to be guys you have serious questions about. Medicals, per, uh, maybe character, maybe it's just they didn't test at all. You're going to go visit those guys because you want to get an up-close look at what they can do. And then about five of them are going to be undrafted guys. That's obviously not going to be Forbes, but undrafted guys that you just want to get a feel for. Just kind of meet and, like, like you might not get drafted, but keep us in mind when you're looking at, you know, if you don't get drafted type thing. Just get a feel for that guy. I think they did with Cal Adamitis, and uh, I think they might have done that with Trent Irwin before, too. So... That's that, those are your top 30 visits. I think Forbes fits two of those criteria, right? Like he, they're probably interested and they probably have serious questions because this guy was 160 pounds. The closest things you can find are guys that are like five foot eight. And he's like, I think six one. He's so thin. I know he likes to get in there and try to tackle. It's not always successful. Like there's highlights. It's not always successful. Uh, and those are kids that he's tackling. Imagining him trying to bring down AJ Brown. Um, I mean, he doesn't have to go against Jamar Chase, but Jamar Chase, uh, just uh, just think of wide receivers. It's, that's gonna be tough, right? Uh, so I think they want to get up close visit because they got they've got two. They, they're interested, but they also have some serious questions. I think it might be more of the questions than anything. When I think of the Bengals drafting, it might not fit corner, but they usually like size. And this would be going against what they normally think of, but they don't want to just cross him off the board because they really like him. So they want to take a visit. That's that's what I'm thinking, at least. I, I could be completely wrong. Maybe they're just interested. And you know what? I've said it before. They owe Lou. You know, if Lou has an opinion, <laughs> his guy. 
if he has an opinion on someone and I trust him so much with the secondary room and he's like, you know what? I want to talk to him one more time or, or let's get him in one more time. Let's chat with him and, and lose back for a reason. And he was such a difference maker last year. So I think you have to listen to what, what everybody wants and at least the front office. But yeah, I, I just don't know. That's a big question mark for me. We've talked about it on here that it wouldn't be a surprise because the Bengals, they do in the 20 range get that cornerback. And sometimes they get a player a year early. You saw Dax yeah. Hill last year. Um, they could do it again in the first round with with a cornerback, and maybe Cheeto's not ready, or at least you're getting Cheeto's replacement, another uh, another guy in the secondary. So I wouldn't be too surprised. It just feels like he's a little bit all over the place in, in some of the first-round mocks and then um, maybe even in, falling into the second round. So we'll see yeah. what happens there. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I keep thinking with him is oh, he feels like a guy they'd trade down and take. But I, uh, that's not a for sure thing. And trading down takes two to tango. It, I wonder, he's so divisive that some people have third round grades. Some people have first round grades. Some people think he's great. Some people think there's serious questions and whatever side of the fence you are. He's probably divisive with the people making this decision. I wonder if it's like Duke Tobin doesn't, you know, you really got to sell me on this guy. But Lou Anarumo was trying to sell. He's like, come with me on this visit. You know, <laughs> Or maybe it's even Zach. He's like, can he play in the AFC North? Can Is he going to last? Because we've had injuries at corner. And he wants to go get an up-close look. Or maybe it's Lou that doesn't believe. And the other guys are like, oh, you got to talk to this guy. You got to talk to this guy type thing. So uh, I think of a guy that's so divisive with how the evaluation process has gone with him. And he's got questions, you know, his weight and whatever. This is totally a guy you're spending as much time as you can with to just nail down the evaluation and make sure because your, your first round pick is the best thing you can do right now for this offense is, you know, getting cheap talent at a premium position yep, or a premium need- pick. Yeah. You need that right now. Right. So they want to nail it and you, you're going to talk to guys you have questions with. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point with the the bags that you're going to be given to some of your starters right now. You do want to start to save money with these draft picks and you want to hit on them. But we have more mailbag questions. Thanks for following along. We're going to get those in our next segment on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thank you so much for your mailbag questions. I mentioned before we're going to do a little off-season Thursday doubleheader mailbags on Thursday. And we're going to go ahead and get to Jake. He says, what is one player that you keep seeing getting mocked to the Bengals that doesn't make sense to you? What's one player that you aren't seeing mocked to the Bengals that maybe should be mocked to the Bengals? Ooh. Well, we had the Luke Musgrave mock to the Bengals at 28. That's one that... Doesn't make a ton of sense. Safety. Safety at 28 doesn't make sense to me. Just, I don't think, I haven't watched them, but they don't seem like BPA. And it's not a true need. They have a round one guy and they've got a guy that's there for three years. So what's going on there? Uh, those are the two I see and I just kind of go, mm, I don't see, I don't think they do that. So those are the, I, I even see Gibbs more than those guys. Like I could see the Bengals going Gibbs, and, but uh, I, more than I could see them going safety. Hopefully it doesn't get clipped when they take a a safety at 28. But uh, yeah, those are the guys I don't see. And the guys I don't see mocked enough. um, Sometimes it's defensive line. Uh, I think that's a serious contender is defensive line at that pick. Um, I think what else that 
that's it's they're getting mocked like everybody though right every time i look at somebody else it's usually a tight end and i think it that's is. the betting favorite but i've seen offensive tackle plenty i've seen corner a lot i don't think i've seen a ton of defensive line unless unless it's like some crazy fall that i don't think happens uh so maybe maybe more defensive linemen at 28 but i i do think the betting favorites would be tight end offensive tackle and corner yeah, I agree with you. I think those are the position groups that they're really going to focus on. Parker Blake says, who are the biggest sleepers and who do you think will be a surprising slide? Um, Man, I don't watch enough deep sleepers, but the one guy I like, and it seems like he might not be a sleeper anymore, was Jonathan Mingo. I watched him this weekend, just one game, and I saw Mohamed Sanu and I saw, I was like, this guy can play. You know, he's making contested catches. He can... He changes direction pretty well. He high points the ball. He's got good body control. He's got good hands. Holds on through contact. Like this is a guy I would take at what pick ninety or whatever the round three pick is. Ninety. Ninety-six. Ninety-six. Well, I take him at ninety <laughs> if they want to trade up and get him like they did Cam Taylor Britt. Want to trade up a few spots? Lose a six round pick. Uh, yeah, he could play. So he, he's a sleeper. I think there's been a few. I think Chandler Zavala, I think is his name. He seemed to gain a ton of uh, momentum this week. He's an interior offensive lineman from North Carolina State, I think. Okay. Somebody can tell me I'm wrong, but he seemed to get a ton of movement this past week. Uh, he wasn't a combine invite, so that's why he's a pretty deep sleeper. I, it, it, I guess Antonio Maffi was also not a combine invite, and he's a guy I would think about as a sleeper. Guys I could see slipping, obviously Jalen Carter. I don't know where he slips to. I don't think he makes it to 28 unless there's something else that's crazy that happens. But uh, so I don't see that happening, but I I see him possibly slipping outside like the top 12. And even though I think he's the best prospect in the class, uh, other guys that could slip Forbes could slip. He's got that weight concern. Dewan Jones can slip because he didn't test at all. And there's some concerns there. It's usually a guy that has a red flag somewhere. That's a guy that will slip. Guys that will slip compared to what they have shown on film or that people's consensus is, man, I guess making the call that I could see Lucas Van Ness slipping, and that's partially – he was a rotational guy for I, – like I turned on the film and I was kind of surprised this, this was not a clear first-round pick to me. Rotational guy, he wasn't a super productive pass rusher. He doesn't even really – he's not a – a plus run defender either. I, I don't I don't know how much I see the clear mid first round type. And I didn't give him that grade. So maybe that's just me not seeing it. But uh that's a guy I think could easily slip decently far. Anybody else off the top of my head, not really, but uh I think the quarterbacks all go high is why I, it's like I'm trying to think of those guys. And it's like I think I think we get four in the top ten. I'm all I'm all about that. It's funny because you're a wide receiver sleeper. You mentioned it a couple of days ago on the podcast. And then this morning on Good Morning Football. Yeah. yeah, he mentioned him. He's like, oh, you know, you let this guy, he's one of the sleepers in the draft, and starts talking to him about him. Like, oh no, don't don't say anything. We kind of want to He was a day three guy when I was watching him. And now people are saying, like, well, now you can't get him in round three. I was like, Well, I don't know if he jumped that far. <laughs> I That's hope not. 
Uh, I kind of want to add to this. Uh, it would be silly for me to put him in this conversation, but you know, a lot has happened this off season with Dalton Kincaid. A lot of people we've talked plenty Ooh, of tight ends. Um, one of the top, I, I want to say, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, one of his favorites in this mm -hmm. draft. I think he had him at top nine in the most team. Top he, 10. he moved him to nine in his most recent one. Wow. He was in the 15. Then I saw him recently in nine. So for me, it's a little surprising. I, the reports are out there that everything's good with the back now and there's no concerns or anything about that. But with him being the you know high prospect at tight end, we talked about the value of position on Tuesday's podcast. He's the one that I feel like there's a lot of hype going into it this offseason. But I still feel he, he might be the first tight end picked. Um, in the first round, but I still feel like he drops later than a lot of people think. Yeah, definitely could see that. He's older. He's got the back thing. He didn't test at all. So a lot of reasons he could slip. He, like I said, red flag guys. Red flag guys are the guys that that could easily slip. And then things we don't know, character concern guys or things like that. But we just don't really – like we know the Jalen Carter one because it's public. But other than that, we don't know anything. That could be anything when they say like we don't – you know, I think about – I think Justin Fields, well, I guess he slipped a little, but people are saying like Justin Fields had character concerns. Like nothing's really come of that. I, I don't know. It's so weird. And as people who don't know anything, I just don't feel comfortable really speculating on that. But that is that could be a reason why a guy you like or you're surprised by falls. The Jalen Carter thing is so strange because there was a report earlier this week or, or maybe it was last week from Adam Schefter and it was saying it was from his camp, his agent, that he was only going to do like top 10 visits and, and things like that. I'm like, what? why would your camp put that out there? That that didn't make sense to me. But I feel like there's a whole lot of sources are saying this, reports are saying this. So to be determined, he could still go high in the first round. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get a pretty we'll get a surprise. We always get surprised on draft nights. Uh, we'll go with Eric. He says it was said last year that the Bengals ran to the podium when they saw Dax was available. Who is that guy that makes the Bengals sprint the card to the podium this year? B. John Robinson. Of course. Of course. Right. Um, Darnell Wright probably too. I think those two. B. John Robinson, Darnell Wright, they'd be sprinting to the podium to get a draft. If it's between those two, I'd take Robinson. Um, but that's that's me. I don't know if they would. I think they might though. I don't think they're a team that's scared off of running back positional value like some other teams. I think with Darnell Wright, I think he goes to the Bills right before him. Oh, wow. I do. I do. He has um, a 20 visits. And again, these visits, I don't look too much into the visits. I, you, you're getting to know someone. Maybe you decide not to pick someone after you visit with them. You're just doing your homework. That's what every front office should do. Um, he's meeting with the Bears, going to meet with the Bills, and then he had 20 other visits, which makes total sense. I think um, he's a guy that goes higher than we think. I do too, because it kind of was a little, it was a little of everywhere in the first round. And then, you know, mm -hmm. some maybe had him falling early to the second round. Uh, but now we're starting to see the hype for him go right back up. And he's uh, doing a lot of visits right now. But I don't know. It just feels like a, it could be a Bills pick. I felt like it happened with it uh, Steelers pick. Steelers pick 100%. Well, it felt like last year. And again, I don't know who is on the Bengals draft board. I feel like Dave Lapham is really good when it comes to kind of telling you a little bit what's going on, who they may pick. Um, but I want to say that they wanted, um, and I'm losing my train of thought of who the Chiefs picked in the first round last year. George Karloftis. Thought they were, I thought for sure they were going to go get him. And then I think they would have if he was there. 100%. You got to remember the Bengals love those big edge rushers. They would have been all over that. I mean, that guy's a big, powerful edge rusher. They would have – they were probably salivating <laughs> at the thought. They were probably going to sprint to the podium with that. You know, 
uh, Dax Hill, they sprinted to the podium, but about 75% of the speed they would have sprinted there for Karloftis. I mean, I, I thought about him a lot this year. Whenever the Chiefs were playing, I was like, oh. He was good. He was good. Oh, he, he did could. really well in the AFC Championship game. That stung for us. That's unfortunate. Uh, but, yeah, that I, I'm just pumped for the first round. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see where a lot yeah. of these guys fall because the Bengals are still in a really good position to go VPA. We'll go with Bengals and Cavs. He says, what's the best-case scenario for right tackle? Jonah healthy, willing to play right tackle. Jonah gets traded. Lyle is healthy and plays. Jonah gets traded. Lyle isn't healthy. We draft one. Um, maybe just speak on, on those scenarios for the Bengals. Mentioned a few times, Darnell Wright just coming in and being a butt kicker right away would be cool. Yeah, I think he could be a better version of what Lyle Collins was for them last year. I think the best realistic case scenario is Jonah swallows his pride, plays right tackle, and it's at about the same level that he can play left tackle. Le uh, he gets so much hate for what he did this year, and I understand he wasn't good this year. He was he was below average. He might have been bad, depending on whatever game you watched. But the year before that, he was he was a pretty good player. And if you get a pretty good right tackle, I think that's better than what Lyle can give you right now, just because I think his body's kind of broken down a little bit. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I guess the best case scenario is Lyle Collins just comes back week one and he is Dallas Collins. Cause I thought that was a top five right tackle and they did not get that last year. So maybe that's your best case. I think there's a quite a few questions. Maybe your best case is trading Jonah and a pick and getting better. I, I, I don't want to say a guy because there's so many man, I can't think of too many right tackles that are like clearly very good. Like, cause the Vikings won't give up like a Brian O'Neill. The Bucks won't give up a Tristan Wirfs. Where do you, where can you get down to? And it's clearly better. I saw the Rob Havenstein one today and I talked about it a little bit. I think that's just older Jonah might as well just roll with them. Uh, so I don't know who, who all out there would be a clear, right tackle upgrade that is very realistic to go because NFL teams love to hold their tackles. Those tackles are hard to come by and they pay them. They pay them well. That's so that's why I think Collins or Jonah playing up to that level is, is up there. It's really any of those options, just working out, working out to the best of their ability. I think it's all about the same. Uh, I guess Collins coming back and being healthy, fresh to go and right tackle, Lyle Collins from the Dallas Cowboys is the best case scenario. I just don't know how realistic it is. Yeah, I think with Collins, the biggest thing is, so Bengals will begin their offseason program in a couple weeks. Um, and we'll really kind of get the feel of, you know, how players are doing, probably hear from Frank Pollock, Zach Taylor when they're out there. I don't expect Lyle Collins to be out there, but hey, what a, what a surprise that would be. Um, I think the biggest thing with him, and, and maybe Jonah isn't the answer, and they trade Jonah during the draft or before the draft or after the draft, you don't want to rush Lyle back. Um, yeah. And it just felt like they kind of had to last year when he was dealing with some of the back problems in camp. And one of the things that I feel like Zach Taylor did a good job with and in the coaching staff, he didn't practice throughout the week, the whole entire season. Mm -hmm. He would only be ready for game days and and obviously in their walkthroughs and their meetings. And it was just kind of like be really light with Lyle. He was never fully healthy. And then, of course, you tear your ACL. That doesn't help. And that's in December. So I think the biggest thing is don't rush him back and don't expect him to be your day one starter. If you give him some time, because 
a lot of people have in their mind when you're in an AFC championship game and you don't have the depth on the, on the bench with your offensive line. And, and man, I don't think a lot of teams are losing three offensive line starters at that moment. in one of the biggest games of the season, but Hey, that was the luck the Bengals had. And I think that's, what's going to be important is you still want that depth. Um, I do want to get to one more question because it has to do with Lyle and Jonah. He said, Taylor says, would you consider trading Lyle Collins and Jonah in a package deal? Consider, sure. I don't know if you want to trade both. And I'll be 100% honest. What is anybody giving up for the two of them? Who wants both of those tackles? Because I don't think it's a great spot for the Bengals to even be in. At $12 million for Jonah and $7 million for, for Collins, who wants to take on $19 million of right tackle money for guys that you have a lot of questions about? That's, that's I think, that part. I would definitely do it if I was the Bengals. Free up $19 million and... The only issue I see is you're really making right tackle. You're kind of pigeonholing yourself. You need a right tackle now. That's that's the main issue, I think, there. But I would definitely consider it, especially if you could get a right tackle back. It doesn't even have to be an upgrade, but just get a right tackle back that's cheaper. Sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your questions. I do want to hit on one more. Neil asked a question about draft night. He says, are you going to record quick reactions to what's going on on draft night? We will have a Thursday pod. It's going to be a reaction, and our goal is for the weekend to give you a quick reaction of what's going on with the draft picks. Um, it'll be really fun. Like I mentioned before, when we started the podcast tonight, goal is to have a few guests uh, to really break down some of these pro- prospects in the month of April to kind of get you ready for draft week. I know Bengals fans are, are ready to, to talk about these picks and uh, move on to more of the offseason and training camp and then hopefully a few um, extensions to talk about too coming up in I don't know, a couple months couple you know we'll see um, but I know you're busy on all Bengals what's up there right now um, I think I'm finally going to do it and write the my, my top 10 running backs give a quick piece on each one and how they might fit into the Bengals offense I think I'm finally just going to somebody get on me if I don't I'm going to do- finally do it I just I haven't written anything in a while I just Doing normal draft reports, I don't know. I just haven't had the thought process on doing it because I just haven't found a lot of guys I love. But why not just give 10? Why not give 10 quick reports on the running backs for all of my opinions on it for whatever they're worth? Well, here's the thing. You're going to do that. You're going to go and you're going to write and you're going to put it out there. And then like some big Bengals news will happen and you'll be like, oh. Thanks. I'll, I'll write about that. I'll write about that tomorrow. I already put this whole piece together. Finally, put it out there for you, and then this big crazy news happened, and I gotta, I gotta write another piece. So hopefully, I'm just rooting for any big news the rest of the off season because we we love that leading up to the NFL draft. So a lot of good stuff. Make sure you check it out. All Bengals and follow Mike over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We will be back next week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.